Well, good afternoon. It's a chilly day here in Tyler, Texas. Uh, welcome to January. And uh, we are continuing our Bible study on Tuesdays and Thursdays from the book of Colossians. And so we just began that this week, started with a little bit of an introduction on Tuesday, and we're able to uh, uh, get this study started. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, this study. Colossians is a great book. It's a short book. But it's got really a lot in it, and it's especially got a lot in it that's important for our day and time today. I sent a, a little Facebook message out an hour or so ago about the class today and asked the question, um, do you find it difficult uh, to be living in the world today because it's so different than your values and the philosophy and purpose that you have for your life? I think it kind of goes without saying that that's the case. If you didn't get a chance to watch the uh, the lesson on Tuesday, I hope you'll scroll down scroll down a little bit on my page or uh, on the West Irwin uh, website archive if you're watching it there, and be able to to find that um, that lesson because it does talk a lot about how we are to live in the world. Uh, looking at some Christian ethicists and those who wrote on Christian ethics and how how a Christian is to live life uh, in difficult days. And these are certainly difficult days. Our hearts go out to all of those who um, have been especially affected by uh, the uh, riot that took place in Washington, D.C., storming our Capitol building, our uh, the people's house, as they say. A horrible, horrible experience, and uh, never is violence called for, whether you're talking about uh, the destruction and riots and even assault and killing that has taken place this past year uh, in reaction to things that people felt very strongly about, or the, um, the mm -hmm. actions of those uh, yesterday who were um, uh, storming the Capitol building. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people gathered and uh, and and yet there were some a very small percentage who sought to uh, destroy every good that could come from that and um, and and try to force their way and successfully into the Capitol building that's uncalled for it's against the law it is um, unchristian ungodly it's a sin and those people should be prosecuted others who who break the law uh, no matter how wonderful your cause, if you're responding with violence and hatred towards fellow human beings, um, that is uh, that is that is not right. And yet, that's where we are. I mean, and there's no innocent parties, really. It seems like there's uh, enough guilt to be passed around to all sides. And so, what do we do? Well, we pray first of all, and we seek to try to help where we can. But we also go to God's Word, and we go to God's Word because uh, it speaks to us in our situations today so clearly. This past fall, we worked through uh, the book of Psalms, and we're reminded of how the, the struggles of the psalmists are so like ours, and their joys so like ours and how they honestly expressed all of those emotions and and feelings in beautiful poetic ways and and we're helped by reading the psalms and praying the psalms and singing the psalms 
And in the same way, we're helped by reading through the book of Colossians. Because Colossians is a book that speaks to a first century church in a very real setting. A church that shared uh, values with each other and with Jesus Christ and with the word of God that their counterparts in their community did not share. And that the authorities in the, the empire in which they lived did not share. So it, it's a great study for us. It's a valuable study for us. And I hope that, uh, that you'll join me along. I already see a couple of folks joining in. And I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful that you are here. Uh, welcome, Daniel. Welcome, my cousin Gail. Um, what a blessing uh, to have you join in on the study. Others will watch uh, live and not comment. And that's fine. Others will watch a little bit later. And um, I welcome you as well. Um, started. Uh, I wanted to start this this uh, study today from Colossians one, the first eight verses, by asking. Uh, so, what what's different about the world today for you than it was if you're older, uh, say, fifty years ago, or or maybe even twenty years ago, or ten years ago? It's twenty twenty one. So remember, remember 2000 and 2001 and how we were so afraid of Y2K and then wondering how much of 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, was going to come true by 2001 or, or watching um, Marty McFly and Doc and Back to the Future and how, how would things be uh, as they fast forwarded in their world, I believe, to 2015 and and what would it be like? Would there really be cars flying in the air? And there's a, a lot of things that are uh, that are very advanced. There are some that are lagging a bit. But one of the things that is the same is human nature, and that includes sin. And that was that was true five years ago, ten years ago, fifty years ago. It was true um, two thousand years ago in the first century. It's always been true, and it always will be until Jesus comes again. And uh, this world is destroyed, and everything physical with it, and we are able to gather around the throne for eternity uh, with our God, who is spirit, and worship him in spirit and in truth right in his presence. For now, we do that by faith. And that means we live in a difficult world, and we face difficult things, and Colossians addresses that. Um Recent experiences, of course, uh, the difficulty that we saw yesterday, the difficulty with the pandemic, the difficulty with a very polarized um, uh, election campaign that really started uh, four years ago. It seems like but right when uh, one president is elected and inaugurated that the already the campaign starts for four years from now. And uh, that was certainly true uh, four years ago. It's certainly been at a boiling point for the past year. And we have seen that uh, explode uh, over these last several months and even over these last um, 24 hours. So we pray for our country and we pray for our leaders. We pray for President Trump and Vice President Pence, for uh, President-elect Biden and for Vice President-elect Harris. We pray for, for Speaker Pelosi and for uh, Congressman McCarthy and for uh, Senator McConnell and uh, Senator Schumer. And we just... Um, all of those who are acting uh, for our nation uh, in local and state and, and national ways. And we realize that our country is imperfect. And the call from our founders was 
to seek to form a more perfect union. And I think that's what we want to do. We want to form a more perfect union, acknowledging that it will never be perfect. But I believe that it's better than anywhere else, even with all of our troubles. And we can't sweep them under a rug. But we also, as Christians, uh, we face them with hope. We do not lose hope. Last night in our Wednesday night Bible study, we were talking about 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 and that great passage in, in chapter 4 that talks about the resurrection and the second coming and how the dead in Christ will rise first. And, uh, and so we, we, uh, as we lose loved ones, we, we mourn, uh, but we do not mourn like those who have no hope. And as we were discussing that, I shared that I, I've been thinking lately that I feel like that applies to other uh, areas of our lives as well, not just when we lose a loved one. It's very real. We acknowledge the hurt. We sh shed the tears. We feel the pain and, uh, and, and we mourn. And yet we do not mourn like those who have no hope. So as we see the difficulties of our time and of our day, uh, we, we acknowledge them, that they're difficult, that these are hard times for various reasons but we do not face them like those who have no hope because our hope doesn't come from the last election or the next election. Uh, our hope doesn't come from the uh, amount in our bank account or our retirement fund. It, it doesn't come because the doctor gave us good news from our latest checkup. It, it comes because of Jesus Christ and his presence in our lives. All those other things affect us. And as we look at our world today, we realize that there's a lot of things that are different uh, now. Uh, there seems to be a lot more emphasis upon uh, experience rather than rational thinking and upon the subjective rather than the objective. And for some of us, that's a challenge because that's not how we're wired. Um, there seems to be a, a, a big difference uh, between uh, our perspective, because now we live in a global world. I mean, we we see in real time what's going on on the other side of the world uh, or what's going on um, uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away in this country. Uh, we see it as it's happening. And that's that's different than what it's always been. And then we hear we hear and see and read comments from people in real time also through social media. And that's um, that, that's a wonderful blessing. You're watching this uh, Bible study and participating in it because of social media. So it's a great blessing. We've used it immensely this year over the past year as, as uh, we have had to adjust to life during a pandemic um, and social distancing. But at the same time, it, it has its burdens as well. Uh, we, we see in our country, in the United States, We've always felt like there were strong Judeo-Christian values, and I think that was basically true. Um, obviously, always have been exceptions, and some who claimed those values didn't really hold them. I get that. I understand that. Uh, but now we see um, those values really attacked uh, in a way that I don't remember ever seeing. I think there's a lot of cries for justice today that are finally being heard, or at least finally allowed to speak, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, but I also realize that, um, that the values that are found in this book that we're reading today, the Bible, um, that there's uh, not much sympathy towards some of those values. And yet that, that's how we're called to live, whether we're in the first century in Colossae or in 21st century uh, Tyler, Texas, or wherever you are. 
Um, we think about the respect and the reputation of the United States. And for those of us who have lived for a while, uh, it seems very different now uh, than it has been in years past. And, and part of that is our fault, obviously. Uh, but again, we, we look at a, um, a global communication and a global media that acts instantly. And because of that, it changes, you know, it changes the perspective, I think. And so, you know, we, we think about the threats that are here, terrorism, a pandemic, uh, political upheaval, um, a difficulty with uh, uh, diversity and tolerance and trying to trying to find out uh, again how to live justly in a in a society that has people of very different backgrounds very different values and, and that's hard and so we we don't shy away from that and we we try to find the best way to glorify god in the midst of that i think that's the call of the christian and the way we do that is the way jesus told us to and that is at the very core uh, loving the Lord our God with everything about us, our heart, soul, strength, and mind, the greatest commandment, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, the second great commandment. Um, treating others the way we would like to be treated, or even better, treating others the way God in Christ Jesus has treated us. Uh, and taking the words that Jesus spoke seriously and reading them as the authoritative word of God that they are, uh, through him and through his spokesman and the rest of the New Testament. And imperfectly, yes, but still seeking faithfully to live that way. Um, it It's not very easy right now. and But Jesus never promised that it would be easy. Uh, in fact, he promised that at times we would have trouble because of our faith, not in spite of our faith, but because of it, because of those who don't share it. So don't get lost in the difficulties of the world. Face them with hope. Acknowledge them with the real threats that they are, but but face them with the hope of, of Jesus Christ. As he writes these words, the Apostle Paul uh, is writing Colossians at the same time he's writing Ephesians and Philemon and Philippians, books that have a, a very positive tone that, that uh, speak out about how to live a godly life in the midst of a world that is unsympathetic and even antagonistic towards those values. We have the same message and call today. And I, th I think I'm just crazy enough to believe that we can do that. And that when we live that life, that God is glorified, the gospel is um, shared, and, and people are able to hear and see that witness and are ready to ask, what gives? How can you live with that kind of hope? How can you live with that kind of joy? Um, and we tell them, well, it's not because of the circumstances. It's because of uh, the one who transcends those circumstances, the one who gives me joy in my life. And I think scripture has a lot to say to us, just as it had a lot to say to the people of Colossae. We looked last week from Colossians 2 verses 6 through 8, where Paul tells the Colossians, look, don't get trapped by the philosophies of the day. You're going to hear a lot of them, but they don't take the place of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they don't stand up to it. And I think that's a wonderful passage. Milton Jones has written a great book years ago called Christ No More, No Less on the book of Colossians, where he approaches it from a, a postmodern perspective, and, and he sees the book of Colossians addressing that kind of philosophy. And I think it's a great approach. 
but he says this, whenever a major problem exists, I believe the Bible will address it, at least in principle. I believe that the problem of postmodernism, I would say any other philosophy uh, that we face that is counter uh, to the word of God is best addressed in the book of Colossians. A bad philosophy had entered the culture of Colossae and it had even penetrated the life of the church and we are experiencing that today as well. The apostle Paul wrote to this church and told them how to find an answer to the philosophy of their age. He taught them that the answer is found in Christ, no more, no less. Many things have changed over the last 2000 years. I don't think that this is one of them. And I agree. With that, let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 for a few minutes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We did some introductory comments about this book uh, last Tuesday, and so I hope that you'll take a look and listen to that lesson on January 5th. Verse 3 of Colossians 1, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epiphras, verse 7, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf or on your behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So what's the answer? to how to live in a world that doesn't share godly Christian biblical values. It's to live a life of faith and hope and love. The Apostle Paul commends them, uh, not condemn, Bill. The Apostle Paul commends them for that exact thing. Uh, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for all God's people, and the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Uh, what a great, great passage. Very similar to some other passages. Uh, Paul says similar things to the church at Thessalonica in modern-day Greece. The church at Colossae is in the western part of modern-day Turkey. And uh, he shares some very similar things to in 1 Thessalonians and also 2 Thessalonians as he begins those letters. And we remember especially 1 Corinthians 13, that great chapter on love. And how it ends. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Our hope will one day be realized, and we pray God that that will come soon. Our faith will one day become sight. Right now we live by faith. Then when Jesus appears, uh, we won't have to just believe. It will be reality right in front of us. But love will continue. Faith, hope, and love. He commends them. Uh, for the things that they were doing. He affirms their faith in Christ Jesus. He affirms their love for all of God's people. And he affirms their hope stored up in heaven. That's where our true hope lies. And that's why the circumstances of today cannot take anything away from that hope. Because that hope is not realized yet. As Paul says in Romans 8, who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Sometimes not so patiently, but, but we wait for it. But we wait for it in faith. We wait for it by acting in love. 
in this world and we wait for it with great hope in the promises of God. Paul affirms the Colossian Christians themselves, but he also affirms the gospel. And I think the book of Colossians affirms the supremacy of Christ, the preeminence of Christ, as we're going to see in a great passage later in chapter one. But it also affirms the supremacy and the preeminence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. That is our hope. That is what we have put our faith in and what we have placed our hope on. It is a great, great thing. Paul affirms that the gospel was spreading to the Colossians and through the Colossians to their community and really throughout the world. Uh, we see that spread in the book of Acts. Colossians written perhaps uh, sometime uh, during uh, Paul's imprisonment uh, in Rome um, while he was under uh, house arrest. And so perhaps sometime around AD 60, common era 60. Um, but, uh, but we also understand that uh, things, again, haven't changed that much. And yet, as we read the book of Acts, we see that gospel spreading just immensely, uh, exponentially, just going forth, even in the midst of persecution. Uh, starting, uh, the church begins in Acts 2. Uh, Jesus ascends in Acts 1, calls us to be his witness. Ends. Uh, 3,000 baptized that one day, uh, and then the more additions coming every day, and yet in chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are arrested. And, um, and then in chapter 4, uh, they defend their faith, and then in chapter 5, all of the apostles are arrested. And now not just threats, but beatings and floggings. That's, it didn't take very long, and yet the gospel was spreading. And Paul affirms that in verse 6, that this gospel is bearing fruit, not just in Colossae, but all around the world. We see that today, as difficult as the times are, the gospel continues to be spread. And we look not just at the United States, not just in your church or in your community, but worldwide. The word of God continues to go out. Wonderful ministries like Eastern European Mission that translates the Bible in all kinds of different Languages are all around the world and, and prints up those, uh, those scriptures in their own tongues and then distributes them so that people can actually have the word of God in a language they understand in a reliable translation. What a great, great ministry EEM is. Um, that was going on by word of mouth in the first century. to the Colossians, how, how their faith has grown. And he mentions a man by the name of Epiphras. His name will come up again in chapter four, where we find out, Paul says uh, to the Colossians, he is one of you from Colossae, actively ministering in uh, Colossae and in some of the surrounding towns as well, perhaps uh, converted by Paul. And, and uh, maybe when he was in Ephesus, we just don't know all of that. But when Epiphras went home, he carried the gospel with him. Just as Acts 8 says, they went everywhere preaching the word when they were pushed out of Jerusalem and Palestine. Um, when Epiphras went back home, he went home with the gospel and he shared it. And the church began and, and now Paul is writing to them and sending the letter likely with Epiphras uh, himself. What a great, great uh, blessing. He must have been for them. And so the gospel continues 
to grow and continues to bear fruit. So what's the answer then? What's the answer for how to live in a difficult culture? How to live in a difficult time? How to live uh, with values that are biblical values, um, but that are values that at times, a lot of times, and in a lot of ways, not shared by our community and not shared at times even by our civil authorities uh, or our laws. Well, what do we do? We live a life that honors Christ. And the way we do that is the same way the Colossians did that. We live a life of faith in Christ Jesus. We live a life of love for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ and for our neighbors as well who don't share our faith um, and a life of hope a life of the hope of heaven. That's where our hope is, and that's where their hope was as well. And that's what we're called to do and to be. Later in Colossians chapter 3, Paul will say, "Put your set your mind on things above. Keep those values, heavenly values. Act in loving ways and serve faithfully in this world. But remember that, um, that we are looking towards that hope of heaven. And the values that we have are the values that will help us get there and will help others get there as well. And so we have faith in Jesus Christ and his life, death and resurrection and his presence through his Holy Spirit and his church and his word. And that that one day he will return and we will be with him for eternity. We believe that that's our faith and that faith drives us to love others to serve in this world. Yes, our hope is in heaven, but we live in this world right now. And so we'll do what we can do to make this world a better place. And then all of that springs from our sincere hope in the gospel. And so Paul would say later on in chapter three, in verse 17, he would say, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the kind of life we live, life that glorifies God, that honors Jesus Christ, that loves our neighbor as ourselves, uh, that lives a life of faith and love and hope. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we pray for our world. We pray for our country, for our leaders, for our citizens. We pray, Father, for uh, these vaccines, that they will do well and do what we hope they will do. We pray for our first, uh, for our medical care workers and first responders and our law enforcement officers and um, our other civil authorities. We just, we just pray that you would um, help us as a hurting and wounded nation, that we'll be able to find your direction and your guidance and the healing um, and hope that, uh, that this nation really needs right now. We know, Father, that that healing and that hope can ultimately only come through Jesus Christ. And so we pray as your people that we will share uh, our faith, that we will share uh, the love uh, with others, and that we will share the hope that we have. Father, be with those who are especially struggling. I pray for my friends um, uh, who are worried about their son today, and I pray that you would bless them and bless him and bring him home soon. And Father, I pray for um, for your church in the midst of all that is going on, that you will help us, Father, uh, to live lives 
of faith in Christ, of love for those around us, and of the hope that is based on the love that you have for us and the promise of an eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember, I'll have a Facebook study on Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. on my Facebook page, 6 p.m. on our uh, westerwin.com live stream broadcast page. It'll be broadcast then. In the meantime, I hope and pray that you will be blessed and that you will let God use you to be a blessing to others as well. Have a great weekend.